0: It's Julie Richards. I'm one of the co-hosts of Community Roots, and we are doing an Unpack That today, and I love this opportunity to be with you and share some great things that have been influential in my life and in my own healing journey, and the um, path that I also share um, with great honor and joy with my clients as well. So this book today is called Childhood Disrupted, How Your Biography Becomes Your Biology and How You Can Heal. And this book is by Donna Jackson uh, Nakazawa. So Donna Jackson Nakazawa, there we go, we got it. Okay, so Childhood Disrupted is one of the very rare books in my life where I have been able to sit down and read cover to cover in the span of about two weeks. Now, if you know anything about me, I am surrounded by books all the time. I absolutely love to, I guess, sit with written content, underline. I have it all color-coded with my little mini rulers that are all color Um, they motivate me with all the different colors that they have Um, but I don't get very far in my books before I find another book to get (laughs) so I am always ordering uh, new books um, to buy and then I'm also always uh, checking out at the library to see what books I can preview And it really gives me a sense of just kind of taking little truths, little nuggets of insight and wisdom and encouragement. And this particular book, the fact that I read it cover to cover in two weeks is amazing because like I said, normally I go book to book to book to book to book and back again and all over the place. So you can imagine stacks of books um, at my home, by my nightstand, by by the couch where I'm sitting, um, bookshelves at work. Um, I I relate well with Hermione or with Belle, (laughs) any of these learners. And I think the thing that's powerful about it too is that when we're really distressed and overwhelmed, we're trying to walk a path of healing to engage our left brain or our thinking brain Um, is something that is soothing and brings relief and support and encouragement and kind of gives us a little bit of something to ground on, something to feel a sense of support. And I do like to think about the idea of these books being real people who are um, living in their little corner of the world and offering their voice and their wisdom and their encouragement and their support for us. So books are a great way to be able to connect that into that support that we're not alone even though we don't maybe know the author personally of course the likelihood of that would be very small but the fact that there's someone there um, in their corner of the world kind of reminds me of of being supported and less alone so in this particular book Childhood Disrupted the first half of the book talks about um How it is we become who we are. And in that, she talks about kind of going back to early childhood wounds and what we call the ACEs study, which is adverse childhood experiences, and looking at like what were some of these things that shaped who we are, the development of our brain, um, how we experienced things, which we know this from what we've discussed a little bit on community roots about attachment dynamics. Do we have a sense of being safe and supported and seen and soothed and secure? Or do we have a sense of more insecurity, more anxious or more avoidant type dynamics that are happening in our home and in our relationships? All of that impacts who we are as a person, as an individual and then how we see our relationships and how we see the world. So in order to try to get an understanding a little bit of what was it like for me, um, again, you know, I say this somewhat regularly, but I think it's so important that we, we keep repeating it so that we're making sure everyone's hearing this message. This is not for the purpose of blame. This is not for the purpose of, you um, anger, bitterness, resentment, anything of um, saying that our parents didn't do a good enough job or something like that, I think everybody's doing the best that they can. And they are are basically able to give based on what they have lived in their experiences and what they've been able to um, heal and grow through. So sometimes that amount of support or depth or insight might be very limited and in other cases um, if we're walking a healing journey where we're healing growing learning developing understanding making sense of um, which is an important phrase that I often use in psychodynamic therapy which is just that idea that I'm getting to know who my sense of self is, getting my story straight, as we've referenced with uh, my mentor, Rick Butts. Um, It's the idea of knowing what I've come from is informing my present day. So unconscious dynamics are impacting and intruding a bit on my interactions every day in the present. So it's important to do the work to go back a little bit even though that's something culturally we tend not to want to do. People want to avoid pain. They want to avoid the past. And what this is doing is saying, like, how did we get to where we are? You know, that's what um, Donna Nakazawa is, is speaking to here, how it is that we become who we are. So as you go through... Um, the first half of the book. It's talking about how stress is damaging to a child and that might be through medical things that have happened, that might be relational things that have happened, Um, sometimes feeling particularly sad, stressed, overwhelmed, not having more support. Um, She has a chapter called, Why Do Some Suffer More Than Others? And I think that's fascinating how some of us might have even more sensitivity to kind of perceive our world and our experiences in a way that feels heavier and harder. Um, She talks about a good enough family and how you can be a better parent than what you received. Um, Noticing the difference between um, different kinds of parenting styles if you are kind of passing down stress to your children, sometimes maybe not even aware that, that that's what's happening or being particularly reactive, that is impacting our children's brains. So, So adverse childhood experiences change the architecture of our brains and the health of our immune systems. They trigger and sustain inflammation in both body and brain and they influence our overall physical health and longevity long into adulthood. This is true whether our childhood wounds are deeply traumatic or more chronic or more private but pervasive familial dysfunctions. So sometimes when people are trying to determine what kind of traumas have I experienced You know, when I do an intake with a new client, I will ask them to the extent that they feel comfortable and safe enough to share with me and to the extent that they are aware, um, what would they consider that is traumatizing for them? And this is unique to each person and to our own experiences because partly it depends on what kind of support we had at the time that we were going through it. Um, Not everybody would characterize the same thing as being particularly difficult for them. Um, Some people might feel very overwhelmed and raw and unsupported or um, distressed by things that other people might not have that same experience. So we really have to consider for ourselves as we're reflecting back through what might need some extra time or attention for healing and to take seriously what our reality is, as Pia Melody would talk about it. What was our experience of how things felt to us and that that... Is valid so considering the different um, experiences that we've had uh, that our bodies remember um, there was one example here that she uses on page 19 that says I was a walking specter of human sadness I couldn't calm myself down all I could see was that no matter how hard I tried to change my life Life was going nowhere for me. I never felt okay in the world. So that's kind of a a subjective testimony for how it kind of feels on the inside. Like with all this neuroscience and psychology and all the, you know, grand theories and things that we can wrap our minds around. Sometimes it's that felt sense of I'm just not okay. I never felt okay in the world. On page 21, it says, I felt a sense of relief that I had this clue into what was going on with me. But the more I thought about what my doctor said, I also felt grief. I had to ask myself, who might I be now if I hadn't faced so much pain and sadness back then? So reflection on all of the emotional suffering and toxic stress that's been wreaking havoc in the mind, in the heart, and in the body. Um, That's that's what this kind of reflexive work is about. So one of the things that she talks about in chapter two is how these different adversities lead to health problems. Um, And she describes what, what is called a stress cycle, where the adrenaline and cortisol trigger these immune cells to secrete powerful messenger molecules that whip up your body's immune response. Your pulse drums under your skin as you lie there listening. The hair on the surface of your arm stands up. Muscles tighten. Your body gets charged up to do a battle in order to protect life and limb. And then after that release of energy and adrenaline comes when it has a chance for your body to relax, your muscles to loosen, the, arm, the hair on your arms flattens back down, that's whenever the cycle can be complete. There's a stress response, a stressful event, and then your body can come back and dampen down the flight or fight response. Your system can recover and return to a baseline state of rest and recovery. In other words, you pass through both the first and the second half of the human stress cycle, coming full circle. So so often when we get stuck, it's that we've, we've released this adrenaline and cortisol And it hasn't gotten to a place of coming full circle to where it can release and soften and feel a sense of relief and where the muscles can loosen. And so we end up having um, these stress glands that are just kind of continually flooded through our system where these toxins are released through our system and causing Uh, tissue damage and biological um, impairment that's happening um, because of the the damage of these stress hormones that are flooded through our body they serve a an important purpose if they are um, able to give us the adrenaline to respond in a way that will keep us alive and safe and help in case of survival but then if it's if it's not brought to a place of, again, having calm and release, then that kind of stays stays in our body and brain with this heightened stress response. And that leads to long-lasting side effects. This chronic stress biologically reprograms how we react to stressful events for our entire lives. She says on page 37, once the stress system is damaged, We over respond to stress and our ability to recover naturally from that reactive response mode is impaired. We're always responding. So it's kind of like the the button gets stuck on, like it's in hyperdrive of um, whether it's vigilance or stress or adrenaline, um, this inflammation that it's causing to our organs and the distress that's going through our body. There's no sense of full circle on that stress response or a release. And that's when it starts to impact um, our organs in an unhealthy way. One of the things she talks about on um, page 41 is how difficult it is whenever stress is unpredictable. Um, The child can't predict exactly when, why, or from where the next emotional or physical hit is going to come from. And it really puts the brain on high alert constantly. Um, She says when stress is completely predictable, even if it's more traumatic, um, there's a chance for the brain to kind of prepare and tolerate. Um, The brain can tolerate severely stressful events if they are predictable. But you cannot tolerate even mild stressful events if they are very unpredictable. And I think that's, that's an important point to consider. Sometimes people wonder how um, our brains will kind of crave sometimes chaotic environments, if that's how we were raised, or um, relationships that Maybe you've heard of self-sabotage or this like chaotic environment, maybe a disorganized attachment that's happening. Um, That feels safer and more um, predictable because it's consistent with what they're used to. So there's a difference between if something is predictable or unpredictable and how our brain is able to tolerate it. And there's a difficulty that happens whenever we don't know. We don't know what to expect, what's coming. And that's what tends to feel um, more dysregulating, more overwhelming, is whenever it's completely unpredictable. I love this section on page 71. It says, the power of having just one reliable adult. Children who are more resilient after facing early adversity often had an important, reliable adult to turn to in their youth, a grown-up who had stepped in and helped them understand that what was happening wasn't about them and wasn't their fault. Stress is tolerable when longer-lasting difficulties, even serious stressors, are temporary, limited in duration, and are buffered by relationships with adults who help a child learn to adapt. This is really, I think, a, a, an important part here. With someone to lean on and with love, the brain can recover from what might otherwise be damaging effects. Having supportive, responsive relationships with caring adults as early in life as possible makes a profound difference." I love that, that it takes the power of having just one reliable adult, someone to lean on, someone that has love, that can help that brain recover all these damaging and difficult things that we experience in our lives, but having supportive, responsive relationships. I think that responsive and attunement that that's talking about is so important. Not somebody who is um, making light of or invalidating or misattuned, we've talked about before, but this is, she says, clearly when a child has a reliable parent or adult to turn to, she has a far better chance of being able to make sense of the stress she faces. And ideally, a smart, stable, caring mentor adult will intervene on her behalf. So it's talking about that idea of not being alone in the world. And I've said it before that we can get through anything, any trauma, if we don't have to face it alone. So I think that That key of how we heal through relationships is what helps us to hold on to hope that if there's somebody out there who can hear me and understand and see me and hold space with me, then they can help me bring um, to get through. They can help bring me through it to the other side. The support that they're shown, she says on page 80, the loving relationships they experience, the caring mentor who sees something special in them and takes them under his or her wing. So if you can perceive past stressors in your childhood as catalysts to your growing into who you hope to become, that reframing can be a critical step in your personal journey in healing, forgiveness, and transformation. So looking at our childhood those were the stressors those were the things that disrupted us that made things really hard and exploring those takes courage and it is a crucial step in healing to be able to acknowledge and accept this is what things felt like to me and that I can find a relational safe space to be able to hold that and feel what I need to feel and bring it to a place of continual like to, to finish out and continue that stress stress cycle. So we the distress comes, but then so does the feeling felt and heard and seen and understood. And that's what allows our nervous system to come back into a place of feeling more regulated, strongly supported, um, able to soothe and calm and um, relax after that intense stress, knowing that we're okay. We got through this. We're okay. So I think all of that is helpful to kind of clarify the impact, really, of everything that has happened to us. Um, but then uh, understanding the importance of that secure attachment and safe people to turn all that around for us. On on page 141, she talks about the attachment that occurs. Um, When infants or young children are hungry or wet or afraid, they learn that someone cares for them and will attend to their needs. They are safe, their needs are met, they are soothed, they develop the secure attachment little by little, event after event. The brain circuits that regulate human behaviors and give a child a chance and a sense of who he is, that he matters. So that he forms a sense of self and a connection with other people and develop as caregivers respond to that child's needs this experience of being seen and known becomes encoded in the infant's neural circuitry so that sense of self is that my needs matter i matter my needs can be met and and i'm worth it i'm precious and valuable and remember we've talked about this on community roots that i'm val- valuable and so are you like it's not self-absorbed and grandiose and going one up it's realizing that these things are are all humans are precious and valuable this is true of me and it's also true of you um, she also quotes in here uh, Louis Casolino who says, we are the survival of the nurtured. Those who are nurtured um, best survive. That, I love that. We're the survival of the nurtured. So she gets into, all of that is in part one. Um, but then part two is recovering from post-childhood adversity syndrome. How do we come back to who we really are? And so the second half of the book, starting in chapter six, is all about healing. And what does it look like? Uh, what what can we do in order to heal? So she has a resiliency um, assessment and um, how you can parent well, even when you haven't been well, well-parented yourself, things that you can do, um, which is, I think, just really helpful to sit with uh, not just the pain, not just the suffering, but also now what? (laughs) Now what do we do with all of this so that we can heal? Um, So she gives some reflection for all of that. I'm kind of flipping through my book here to see what I might highlight for you. Um, Some different things that we can do for our own healing is to consider taking that ACE, not only the ACE survey, which is that adverse childhood experiences, but also your resilience score. I think that's really important. That's places where you can recall and remember where you felt loved when you were little, um, when someone would take care of you and they seemed to love you, they enjoyed playing with you, um, they helped you feel better if you were sad or worried. Um, that someone seemed to like you or help you. And these could be family members. These could be uh, neighbors, friends, teachers, coaches, um, different different um, extended family, and which I think is encouraging to people who maybe didn't have the supportive network within their home. Maybe it was a teacher that made a huge difference. Whatever that um, influential, strong adult might be. Um, it's whether or not there were um, things that could be clear on what rules were expected to be kept. So, boundaries were set in that household. Um, it was someone that you had, you could trust, that you could talk to, someone that noticed that you are capable to do things, and someone kind of who you had a sense that you could believe that life is what what I put into it and that I'm going to um, be able to thrive and work through hard things. She talks about being able to use writing to help us heal, sometimes that aspect of journaling and reflection. For some people, it's drawing and using art. I love this section that she has starting on page 161, which is mindful meditation mindfulness meditation she calls that the best method for repairing the brain she said brain scans of individuals who face childhood adversity often show a loss of interconnectivity in areas that are critical to creating loving relationships activating a sense of calm in the face of stress and downshifting the inflammatory response When these connections are underdeveloped, we have little awareness of our own feelings and lack consciousness about the effects of our behavior on others. So mindfulness meditation helps to change our brain and to bring the brain back online to reset our inflammation response. Meditation actually can help you learn to calm your mind and increase emotional and physical well-being. Um, It's kind of a giant reset it helps individuals regulate emotion, respond flexibly, evaluate options, make appropriate decisions. It increases empathy, self-awareness, self-reflection and helps relieve feelings of fearfulness. So it's she describes it as a simple practice to focus on your breath, to note and name your thoughts, let them go and see that you're really not your thoughts. They feel like they're so connected and entangled and as part of us, but they're really just an aspect of one piece of who we are. And it allows you to kind of feel more free where you're not just worrying and ruminating and kind of entangled with your thoughts, you're more able to be in the present moment to notice them. So when you breathe deeply and bring oxygen into your lungs, that oxygen travels throughout the body into the cells where it supports all life-giving biological pathways. As you breathe in and out with long, slow breaths through mindful breathing, you also strengthen and recharge the activity of your underactive parasympathetic nervous system. So the parasympathetic nervous system is our peace response. It's kind of the break response compared to the accelerator of the sympathetic nervous system so it's giving us a chance for calming soothing long exhales all of that changes our nervous system so she gives some good insight there on mindfulness and meditation she has a little section on tai chi and qigong which is cool awesome stuff there's um mind sight those are things that we can tune into to be more aware of what's happening internally. She has a loving kindness um, exercise, which I've really found to be a very beautiful thing. Um, She talks about that it helps you to nurture compassion, understanding, and a sense of connection with others and to develop a deep feeling of affection for yourself. It allows you perhaps for the very first time in your life to be on your own side. So if you aren't familiar with these, um, it's the idea of, may I be filled with love and kindness. May I be safe and protected. May I be loved and love others. May I be happy and contented. May I be healthy and strong. May my life unfold with ease. They're really beautiful. And then you can go from saying, may I be these things to then switching it to may you as you extend that out into the world to other people may you be filled with love and kindness may you be safe and protected may you love and be loved may you be happy and contented may you be healthy and strong may your life unfold with ease so I think it's very beautiful she talks about forgiveness and the importance of To really free our lives from this acute suffering that comes from holding on to the past. Um, Forgiveness is for your own capacity to fulfill your own life. It's really something you do for you, which is great and freeing. She talks about moving the body um, through yoga and body work. um, Gut health, there's a little bit section on that. And describes a handful of different kinds of therapy that you can go through, which is awesome, something I'm super excited about that I think is life-changing and definitely worth the investment. You are worth that investment. She has a little section to talk about EMDR, which maybe we'll do an episode on that at some point, just to give more understanding um, to what some of these trauma therapies might be that you might want to look into. I love this chapter eight, Parenting Well When You Haven't Been Well-Parented, 14 Strategies to Help You Help Your Children. Um, She talks, I don't want to completely ruin the book for anyone who's wanting to go get it, and I certainly want you to consider checking this book out at the library or getting yourself a copy. She talks about managing your own baggage. Um, Clearly, the biggest gift you can give your children is to manage your own unresolved issues. So, 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 so true, so true. Become more present, attuned and empathic and having a balanced and healthy nervous system for your life. Let me see if I wanna highlight just a couple of these. Looking into your children's eyes to give them safe um, eye contact if they will tolerate that in that moment. Um, If you lose it, apologize right away. Make sure that you focus on repairs. She talks about validating and normalizing your child's emotions. Work to amplify good feelings. She's got some great strategies in here. I'm not gonna give them all away. Um, I want you to check it out too for yourself. Being able to name difficult relationships, um, make what's happening a safe and open conversation to be able to talk about what um, someone is experiencing. That's validating reality. Awesome Pia Melody stuff too that we've talked about. Um, she said, she words it this way, hey, here's what, happening. here's what is happening and then we can have a conversation that is open and safe. I believe one of the best things I can do for my kids is to share my own experiences, name the challenges I've faced and offer what I've learned. It's so cool that she's been through it. She's done the work, and she's bringing up the next generation to be able to do the same thing. Um, She talks about reframing stories of intergenerational trauma, the ideas of mentorship, mindfulness in schools, all kinds of good stuff. So I absolutely love this book. I hope you've gotten a nice little taste of some encouragement that it can give you. I'll just end with a quote in her conclusion that says childhood adversity can tear you down but it can also be your single greatest impetus for growth it takes tremendous courage and inner strength to transform the trauma of childhood adversity into a journey toward post-traumatic growth you know we get so oh concerned about trauma 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 but It's not just PTSD like a a disorder. It's also, this could be the very pathway to something life-giving and something healing and post-traumatic growth. And it's not all one or the other. I'm gonna be the first to tell you that the journey is hard. Um, So find strong support, find others who can come alongside you. We hope that on Community Roots that that is something that we are offering you and in the world we're putting out there so that you can have a sense of being a neighbor being in community with us getting to know our personalities and our our commitment to mental health and to raising um, up a healthy human in ourselves and in each other and having communities like that so we are so thankful that you join us um, each week share us with uh, your friends your family your colleagues so that we can continue to give strong support to make our world a a better place that is the hope we're trying to transform the world so thank you so much for joining me today it was lovely being with you i hope you'll check out this book childhood disrupted and um, reach out to us connect with us we are mindful of each of your um lives and experiences and hearts that are out there listening to us. We appreciate your support and hope you have a fabulous day. We will see you next time. Bye-bye.